there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, way different jobs, different lives, but a lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with it. We're your hosts, I'm P.S. McKay, coming to you from a complete memorization of that introduction. And also, it's the middle of December, and I'm California cold at 45 degrees, wearing shorts, because I can't find my pants. Uh, and I'm DT Catman, and I'm thoroughly disgusted. The fact that you're bitching and moaning about 40 degrees. 45 degrees is cold in California. <laughs> it was... We, 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 the, our, our town had our, our Christmas uh, parade, and it was a low of 48 degrees. And let me just say, people were bundled up. It looked like Minnesota <laughs> with the amount of clothes that everyone was wearing. I was dusting snow off my car this morning. Yeah, yeah. It was foggy when I woke up and rainy. Stop. Lots of rain. <laughs> I know. That's. I'm weak now. My, my, my New England blood is gone. My New England and Colorado blood that I... I used to walk to school in kindergarten at five years old in blizzard conditions and then back. And Up now both ways, uh, folks, that's that whole story is back again. Well, no, it was literally downhill to there, but it was uphill going home. So <laughs> I mean, that's just physics, right? So <laughs> but anyway. All right, DT, we're here. How are you hanging? I'm okay. Oh, so much enthusiasm. So well, so much brilliance. Uh, the hours have been long lately and got some uh breaking in a pair of stiff work boots that uh you know are putting some pressure points on certain joints. <laughs> Well, listen, I just saw my doctor last week who gave me a great antihistamine <laughs> that lasts 24 hours, and I don't feel any pain anymore in my knees. So, <laughs> Antihistamine? I'm sorry. Um, anti-inflammatory. You putt. Yeah. I'm on antihistamine for allergies. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand the error of my ways. So... I need anyway, inflammatory for most of your comments already today. That is true. I do not dispute that. So. <laughs> All right. So you're okay. Everything's good on the home front. Yep. Everything's good here. I uh, just got to say before we get into everything, I just uh, Christmas season is in full swing and we don't have any decorations up in the inside of the house and I have to figure out how to do that, which is going to be fun. You have children. <laughs> well, yeah, but they're not they're not 15 yet. So, yes, but you task them with tasks that they can do. That's what I did. Yeah, yeah. they put up things that they could put up. The Clark Griswold shit I did. <laughs> My daughter is a task dog. Like, she needs a task. And, like, once you give her a task, she's on it for five hours. Like, she just needs that. She just needs a purpose. And she will work it. Like, just 
Uh, did I just say work it? Um, that was disgusting. It was not appropriate, no. Nope. <laughs> oh. Anyway. You're done. I am. Different subject. We're moving on. We'll be moving yeah. on to the next subject. So what uh, what uh, subject are we working on tonight, DT? Well, last week was the season finale of a new somewhat surprise hit uh, on network television. The sci-fi-ish action-adventure drama La Brea. Mm-hmm. Which I will say I was very intrigued with when the first promotions came out this past summer. Mm-hmm. So, it's also very California. Uh, yeah, it is. I've got thoughts. <laughs> but why don't you start? Because it, actually, the very, the very show is very personal to me. So, <laughs> which I didn't realize it would be, but it is. Well, basically, the premise is in the very first episode. A huge sinkhole opens in Los Angeles um, and right underneath the La Brea tar pits. And it sucks a whole bunch of people stuck in traffic into this. And of course, it becomes a huge disaster area. Everybody thinks these people are dead. And then these. I mean, the, the, the sinkhole is huge. It, it encompasses yeah. almost like two blocks in a radius. Like yeah, it's huge. Yeah. So. I mean, it's it's right in the middle of downtown. And of course, for those of us on the East Coast, the idea of Los Angeles falling into the sea has not been one that we don't mind. Um, uh, I just I said they didn't go it. too far. <laughs> uh, no, I think they but, didn't go far enough. <laughs> right. So uh, jokes aside. Uh, so, you know, they, they're focusing on a couple of people in traffic. Right. So over on Wilshire, a, a, a mother with her two teenage kids in car, mm-hmm. uh, Eve, uh, played by Catherine Z. Uh, great job. She's, um, excuse me, Natalia Z. Natalie Z. I'm just screwing her name up all six ways from Sunday. Natalie Z. Who's been in, you know, uh, she was hilarious in the other guy. Oh, was she the wife? She was the ex-girlfriend who chased oh, the... down the block. Oh, okay. She so she was Will Ferrell's ex-girlfriend. Okay. Will Ferrell's ex. <laughs> yeah. What is it with you and hot ladies? Yeah, she was good in this. She was no, she was good. In, she was good in La Brea. I I will she say. Was. You know, as she had a guest, kind of a guest run on. Um, a couple episodes in uh, uh, 911 Lone Star, another show that I've watched. Um, mm-hmm. she, she's done a lot of stuff. She, I think, had been in she's, soap operas for a she's while. She's got a history. Yeah. I don't know how much sci-fi she's been in, but this one, she's she's the lead. She's the main character. She's got two teenage kids, a daughter, Izzy, who's lost a leg in a car accident and has a prosthetic leg. Your son, Josh. And a massive underbite, by the way. Overbite. Yes. Overbite. She's got a massive overbite. It happens. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. But it was there. It happens. <laughs> uh, we're, we're not shaming anyone. 
It's not a shame. It's just, it's there. As a man with an underbite and a strong one, no shaming. Well, you've, okay, well, you've got the, you've got the jawline of Gaston over here, whatever. I prefer Bruce Campbell. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, if chins could kill, yes, you, you are his clone. That's fine. <laughs> Groovy. Groovy. Okay. <laughs> so, anyway, obviously, all of a sudden, things start opening up, and of course, it's like any of the earthquake movies. Everybody gets out of their car and tries to run away. Um, and of course, and the son, right down. The mom is hanging on to like the lip. The mother's trying. The daughter's trying to pull her up. She's like, it, it was, it was almost like Hawkeye and Black Widow. It's like you've got to let me go. I thought the same thing. And into the sinkhole she goes. Mm-hmm. Now, it's an interesting family dynamic. There's, she's separated from her husband, who is a, a former Air Force pilot who has been suffering from hallucinations and alcoholism since he uh, since he had a, a crash in the Mojave Desert several years earlier. His name's Gavin. And of course, like all good American shows nowadays, they have some... He's Irish. You have either an Irishman and a Brit, an Australian, <laughs> Zealander playing an American and occasionally, occasionally nailing the accent right. He didn't. He didn't. I was listening to him. I heard it and I'm like, oh, he's Irish. I know it. And then I checked. I just knew he was kind of joking <laughs> American English a little. Yeah. But, and I'm like, and I checked and his name is Owen spelled E-O-I-N, the Gaelic so, way. He's a good actor. I, you know, he, oh, he's good. He's Don't get me wrong. Well. Um, you know, he's playing a guy who's kind of tortured who realizes that some of his issues are losing his family. And of course, his wife walked out with the kids because he was unreliable. He was drunk. Mm-hmm. And now he's got a sack up. He's like, oh, my God, his kid, his daughter's, you know, his, his wife, son swallowed up by the earth. His daughter mm-hmm. needs him. So he's trying to figure it out. And of course. And, of course, like everything else, a huge the government, like, of course, and this is this is big science fiction, a really fast, well-funded government agency shows up. <laughs> Maybe Homeland Security. Homeland Security. I mean, the, the science department, the science department of Homeland right. Security. I'm like, does do they really have a science department? No. <laughs> Don't they farm that out? Like. <laughs> the head of the science department was there uh, making the announcements. We we are we're so sorry for your loss. Please know that our hearts are prayers are with you, which I couldn't help but feel was like a dig like to, to every like announcement like that, you know? Yeah, it's really that's it's just it's pandering to a degree. Yeah. Anyway, so. And there are others. Drop in there. And so they flash, you know, between the the disaster area and Gavin rushing to Izzy and mm-hmm. trying and they're all trying to find answers. He's having like weird flashes of like he can see his wife and son. Turns out they're alive. They fell through a rip in space time, a portal, a green hole in su- in the sky. And they land in a 
beautiful, fertile, um, not deserty, shitty area. It was what California was once before Hollywood moved in. <laughs> and uh, uh, 10, let, let's BC. just be, be say at least 10,000 BC or more. Because because before that, L.A. was not as fertile, not as green. (laughs) It was it was basically a desert. So. Mm -hmm. But continue, sorry. And. So she wakes up, Eve, the mother, wakes up and she's like, how am I still alive? And she starts looking for. Her, well, if I'm alive, maybe my son's alive, right? Mm-hmm. And so she starts looking for her son, and her wedding ring, which had been on a necklace because she wasn't wearing it, falls next to this rock, this handprint on it. And then, you know, they, they kind of flash back and forth between her trying to find her way, and then... Um, Gavin. Gavin trying to figure out what's going on, trying to get answers from the government, having like these weird flashes, then trying to get the, and I may be bleeding into the second episode a little, but basically he kind of figures out, he thinks that they're still alive. So he's trying to get the government's attention. Yes, because before the sinkhole, I can at least tell you through the pilot, before the sinkhole, all he saw was wilderness. But after the sinkhole, he saw his wife and he saw like wreckage and um, and when everyone fell after that in La Brea, in Los Angeles, suddenly a bunch of prehistoric birds came up out of the hole and and, of birds that have been extinct for thousands of years. Yes. So um, that happened. So. And the government, when they're there, like talking after giving the announcement, we believe everyone has died. Um, we, we give our thoughts and prayers and everything. They walk away. And the, the woman who's in charge of the Department of Homeland Security Science, quote unquote, um, is talking to her adjunct going, well, you know, should we tell, why would you say that? And she goes, what, do we tell them the truth that they're alive? Like, <laughs> You know, and then we learned that there was a similar incident in New Mexico mm. where they were familiar with the same said um, space time rip, if you will. Yep. Uh, not not to speak over it, but. So basically what happens is, is down in. What we start learning is the past. She eventually starts coming across other survivors in like bits of debris like chunks of sidewalk and buildings and vehicles and eventually they there's a they she finds her son and then there's a big a group of survivors kind of are starting to cluster around this debris of like where the epicenter was so it's just like chunks of building and vehicles in this clearing and one of the people she runs into is a police officer uh, who's a little feisty, kind of a grump to start with. Um, not particularly mm-hmm. the most helpful 
police officer. Potential loose cannon, I would say. Right. You get, um, and then you uh, you run into uh, John Cedar playing Sam, a uh, a doctor and former Navy SEAL, and his daughter Riley, who's I don't know about uh, Josh. I think might be a junior or senior in high school, senior in high school, and Riley I think is like a freshman or sophomore Maybe in, the same in college. Grade or... No, no, no. She's in college. Oh, she's in college. You're right. You're right. Yeah. But so and um, what's and then uh, what's it? Ty, a uh, psychiatrist, nervous, suicidal, su- uh, yeah, psychologist. So and you you start this group starts gathering together, and then there's this stoner. Uh, Scott, who's who's like a very nervous, <laughs> like I think he's like a PhD student, anthropology student, uh, who's got a lot of you know anxiety, so he's always vaping marijuana. Who's a little bit of a wimp, but also the only one who's starting to figure out things because he's an anthropology student. The tragedy of being brilliant is you see too much and you have too much anxiety because of it. Well, plus, I mean, he's stoned. Again, I speak from the truth. I'm, I'm, that, didn't, that joke didn't work out at all. Continue. You are just, you are just flat tonight, man. I, I am not working tonight at all. Basically... <laughs> And kind of as the episode is is starting to reach a peak, all of a sudden as night falls, like right out of Game of Thrones, because these huge like dire wolves, mm-hmm. you know, attack, kill a couple people, injure the uh, injure Josh, the the son, the Eve's son. Mm-hmm. So it it leads to Sam having to, you know. You know, trying to find a way to to help these folks, and then somebody says, "Oh, we saw an ambulance." So Sam, Ty, and uh, Eve. Eve, they all they're going to trek out that night to find uh, the ambulance. The ambulance. Yep. And of course, they do find it. They get a whole bunch of medical supplies, and then they're attacked by a saber tooth tiger. <laughs> two, so, two saber tooth tigers. Right. Too. But so but that right leads now, into the second episode. Right. So that kind of bleeds into the next episode. But I think is it have you gotten to the in the second episode, have you gotten to the to, to the ring part? Where is he that, found the ring? Yes. That was in the first that, episode. Okay. So now here's where you're starting to think that things are getting really strange. Gavin is seeing Eve passing a rock which he has recognized from his past. He goes, drives out in the middle of the night, leaves his, his sister-in-law, leaves his, leaves his daughter, goes over there, because and everybody thinks he's losing his mind again, because that's why he was right. discharged from the Air Force, because of hallucinations Medical and everything. Leave, yeah. Which is what allowed him to grow this sweet beard. <laughs> not even the Air Force will allow you to grow a sweet beard. Not even if you're a roguish Irishman. 
That, that is part of the U.S. Air Force. <laughs> a shaggy mustache, they still mix. But that being said, <laughs> so he, he sees this vision of where he thinks she dropped the ring. Mm-hmm. He finds this rock, and he digs up a very... He digs for a while and finds this the ring. It's very carbon-coated and everything because it's been sitting in dirt for a thousand a thousand years ten thousand years right <laughs> and he holds it up to his daughter who remembers that it was on that she his mother had it <laughs> that like, morning what the what the fuck yeah because <laughs> they chase after him they're like why what is he doing he's losing his mind again and now she's mm-hmm. like maybe he's not so crazy yeah so, what we're getting is is that there's a big gist a sinkhole opens up in, in L.A. Dozens of people get sucked into it. They're presumed dead. The government looks like they're trying to do relief and figure out what's in an investigation. I believe they sent like a, a drone down to look. And as soon as it hit the event horizon, it, it was gone. Right. They couldn't do anything. Exactly. So, <laughs> excuse me. So there's that. Turns out the survivors wake up and they are in the past we know it's the past because oh and that was one of the things how how i think when they went they discovered got to the they, thought they were in, in la is that the ambulance was basically below an easy visage of the the hollywood hills right mm-hmm. and so it had a, it had a silhouette of the hollywood hills on the back of its door right now granted ten thousand years would have definitely changed the silhouette just a tad but not enough (laughs) so there you are right so it's 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 got a little mixture of well there's definitely some sci-fi there's a little terra nova mixed in which we've Mm -hmm. talked about there's definitely a a bit of a lost vibe once you get well they even say it they even say it the guy the guy the, the the indian guy who who smokes out he even said, I think we're in an episode of Lost. <laughs> I definitely think that there's, there's, they're taking some things from Lost in this one. Um, oh, certainly. Def- I think it's a pretty good. You know, the cast is pretty. There's not many uh, known actors and actresses in the cast. No, no. If you go and you look at the Wikipedia page for it, there's like three people, maybe four in the main cast who actually have. Um. <laughs> who actually have links to Wikipedia pages. Right. So you get John Cena, who was well-known for playing a cop in Homicide, Life on the Street, and then playing Antonio Dawson throughout uh, the various One Chicago franchises. And also did a great job in the uh, Pacific playing uh, Marine Marijuana oh, Pacific John Basilow. That's how you know so, him. Well, I actually watch chicago fire where he first yeah guest starred as well so i've seen him in a lot of stuff he's a good actor quality he reminded me the show. he reminded me in this show anyway in la brea i was watching him and i'm like he's robert patrick jr well yeah with the gravelly voice and, <laughs> and the same chiseled look yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he was he was definitely I could have sworn that he was Robert Patrick uh, Patrick's son. <laughs> Maybe um, <laughs> but then you got 
Natalie Z, who's again, she's she's basically the lead character, and she's she does a, I think she does a pretty good job of uh, leading the series. She's smart, she's resourceful, but she's not a you know she's, she's got her as, foibles. Yeah, but she's as confused as everybody. Yeah. You know? But of course, obviously, she's a mom. She's trying to protect her son. Uh, all all of this stuff, uh, and the the supporting characters aren't bad. You know, I I as the series went on, Ty became one of my favorites. He was a very interesting character. He was a very sympathetic character. I could definitely see that. I yeah. could definitely see that. Gavin, he's. He's a little scatterbrained to start with, but you kind of, it's kind of written like that. You get a, Gavin becomes a little bit, he becomes a much better character later on in the series or in the season. Um, I mean, almost all of the people who play the kids are pretty young. You know, you've got uh, like three or four teenagers here. Um, I mean, was it Zyra Gorecki? I mean, she has a she has an artificial leg in real life, doesn't she? It looks like it. Um, I mean, the, the movements seem like it. Uh, she could be. I mean, obviously, we're seeing that you know, TV TV and acting is becoming more and more inclusive. Watching Hawkeye, the the actress who plays Echo is both deaf and an, and uh, has a prosthetic, so. I mean, you, it's it's nice that we're not. If it's real, then that's that. Now you're giving, well, you know, somebody who actually can make it look real too. I mean, okay. So here's my question, because and this the the answer could very well be easily that the the photo was flipped, but going through her IMDb photos, it looks like her left leg is artificial just like in the show when you see her in real life and she's actually there's a picture of her standing with her back to the camera looking at a la brea sign and mm-hmm. you she's wearing pants but you can easily see the artificial left leg but then there is a, a picture of her in black and white wearing a pants a cat suit it's a cat suit but it's a right leg that is artificial it could be a, a flip photo. You I, know that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. It and is then, what it they, is. And then they're hiding it in another black and white photo of the same shoot. That's very weird. Well, anyway, um, we, I liked it. You know, I got the, the, the first season ended on a cliffhanger. It's got a, uh, got a little bit of a lost vibe because you know, the more the the further is, and the more you realize that. Well, I mean, they've already talked about in the first two episodes. You've already heard about Gavin's crashes and how there's hints that maybe that was another sinkhole. And mm-hmm. there there's been discussions, some of these side discussions between the federal agents and the the scientists. This is not something that is a surprise to them. And the fact that there, this is something that has been seen before elsewhere. Correct. So obviously, you have that whole sci-fi staple of government cover-up. 
you have the tool government agent because they can never be cool unless you're like <laughs> doing like a spy thriller or something like that. The government guy is always a tool or a dick or incompetent. All right. And half the science that's how Hollywood views them. Right. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, is it perfect? No. Okay. Uh, I would say the but dialogue's a bit choppy, at least in the pilot. It gets a, it gets better, particularly you'll start to see people who have developed some decent working chemistry together. Mm-hmm. Um, they the the cast of characters starts to flesh out. Um, you get to meet how many episodes more. is it? Only like ten. Ten. It, was that always intended to be that way? I, yeah. I, I guess it would have to be, right? Because of the, the, mm-hmm. the scope of this show. And the cliffhanger. So, oh, they left it on a cliffhanger? Well, of course. Why wouldn't you? You're trying to uh, get somebody to pick it up for season two. I guess. Which, by yeah. the way, it was picked up for a second season. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad yes. to hear that. I, in November I thoroughly enjoyed what I saw. The series was removed for a second season. Good. Well, I felt it was a good I felt it was a good concept and a good idea. And they they played it. They played it well. You know, a couple things that I liked about this and and I don't know if you want to talk about further down the series, because they did do a later in this series, um, a forward preview of what was going to happen at the end of the pilot. But I liked that they had the the prehistoric birds enter into L.A. Yes. And I I like that. Oh shoot. Um. I like that they were able to to have like all the the different articles from L.A. the parts of buildings and the cars, and they all smashed. But the people who landed, they the, which they estimated it, the hole was twenty thousand feet deep. By the way. Which, by the way, if you've ever heard about the deepest hole ever dug, it's about nine miles. Which is um, about 20,000 feet. So, <laughs> is it fine? No, it's not. Well, Shit. so one of the things that is interesting is that when they say La Brea and then they start hyping that it's like 10,000 years in the past, you're kind of thinking that you're going to see tons of, you know, prehistoric animals, saber-toothed cats, mastodons, yeah. ground sloths, you know, uh, the, the giant woolly rhinos and all of these things. And you do get them. But again, much like Terra Nova, they were more of set dressings. It wasn't, these are not, this is not going to be Jurassic Park. No, it's, I mean, it's a story of survival and humanity against the elements. Right. This is, this is, in some ways, this is kind of similar to Terra Nova because you have a whole bunch of people who get blasted into the past through (laughs) like a a weird rip in space and time. Mm -hmm. Now that was discovered by accident and then they started sending people back to figure it out and start a colony. This is more of a, bit of a disaster film, you know, tied <laughs> up into it. 
and that's fine. You got to get a premise to get them somewhere. I mean, lost could have been, you know, lost or these manifest or, you know, these shows. I mean, the plane crashes or or disappears, and that's your starting event, right? So, I mean, honestly, I think the only time they focused on the little Brea tar pits was like in the opening minutes of the episode, which. Which I found to be very interesting because I don't think I ever told you about my personal connection to the the tar pits, have I? Um, no, and no. I am lost for a good witty joke. So no, so there you go. So the funny part was I recognized every single street and where everyone was at that exact moment where that that sinkhole opened up mm-hmm. uh, i went to school in los angeles it's not that's not a mystery because we were talking about the trojan uh football team coup with uh lincoln riley but as uh, while i was a student in college i volunteered at the la natural history museum mm. and while while i worked there the La Brea Tar Pit Museum is an extension of the L.A. County Natural History Museum. So mm-hmm. to earn extra cash, what I would do was I would host with another another employee Cub Scout sleepovers at the La Brea Tar Pits. So <laughs> I was effectively an employee of the La Brea Tar Pits Museum, mm-hmm. and I had free reign to walk around the whole premises and walk behind, you know, into the storage spaces to take a look at the fossils. I never touched them, I promise. Um, but on display at this, have you, you've never been to LA, have you? No. No. The I don't recommend going now. Stop me in Death Valley. Yeah. <laughs> I don't recommend you going now, but when things get better, um, the La Brea Tar Pit Museum is great. They've got a setup because basically it is there's only two places on Earth where we have the setup of the, the tar pits, so, you know, these big tar pits where all these massive animals would walk into. They get stuck. They can't get out and they would, they would eventually die. And like so mammoths would get stuck. They can't get out. Cybertooth, uh, Sabertooth tigers would come in, try to get the mammoths. They'd get stuck. They would die. Dire mm-hmm. wolves would come after. They would get stuck. They would die. It was just a big cycle, right? There are hundreds, if not thousands, of these well-preserved skeletons, not fossils, but skeletons of these animals at this museum. And it is literally tar. And there are only two places on Earth that this happens. It's at Wilshire and Fairfax in Los Angeles. And the other place, do you want to care to give any guess where? Well, it's not Cleveland. Nope. No, Mm -hmm. not Cleveland. Smells like it. And actually, the river actually set fire there. But no. (laughs) Um, Not sure it was in Baghdad. I think that was a shit ditch, not a not a target. <laughs> I don't know if I had to hazard an actual guess. Probably somewhere in China. Close, maybe, but not maybe really. Mongolia. Close, but not really. Your your heart's in the right place. Um, it's the only 
thing that I can think of that California and this other place have in common? Iran. One of two things. So Iran has tar pits the same nature as the La Brea tar pits. And I have no idea what, if they have a museum there or anything or nah, whatnot. They don't have them. <laughs> they say they do. They say, they might say they do, but they might Just not. Just like they said they had nukes. <laughs> but California and Iran also are the only producers of pistachios worldwide. And California produces pistachios that do not have colors on them. Iran has red and green pistachios that they produce. So if you're buying red and green pistachios, you're buying pistachios from a terrorist state. Just if FYI. You're buying, if you're buying those pistachios, <laughs> I think there's probably some sort of embargo you're violating. Mm, there's always a workaround and embargo in, in, in Washington. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I would walk around that museum and it does. It smells like tar and it is definitely tar. Um, and I saw hundreds of direwolf skeletons or at least their skulls mounted on the walls of this mm. museum. And the first thing I thought of when she when Eve, who, by the way, ironically, if not purposely named Eve fell through she was expelled into the garden of eden well I, is it a garden of eden when you have a bunch of predators coming after you i don't know adam yeah. never said well no one's named adam in the show yet but we have an eve that's got to mean something a anyway Probably i was not. thinking there I was waiting for her to wake up in the face of a dire wolf because in Los Angeles, there were thousands of them. Thousands. So when I saw them, I'm like, I'm not surprised. And their behavior, I am not surprised about either. So. Well, when uh, the dire wolves attacked, I just thought I was going to see Stark banners behind them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not quite. <laughs> Somebody tries to stab Eve. The North remembers. The North remembers, yes. <laughs> hey, and wait, wait till you find out. It's actually a pretty good joke. 10,000 BC is technically part of the ice, the last ice age. Yep. So winter was coming. It was, yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. God damn it. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen game of thrones yes game Ooh. of thrones boom um one more story okay. so not nearly as much uh disemboweling and 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 rape in this uh show than game of thrones oh hmm. in fact um none of the uh of the latter <laughs> No, not none of the at all. I see. Here we go. <laughs> That's weird. Your cloaking device wasn't working very well. That was odd. So, <laughs> um, you started anyway. to look like future guy from Enterprise. Yeah. So anyway, my other story I wanted to say, you know, I had full walking rights around the the the, the museum. 
And one night I was walking around. It was like 1 a.m. And I called my girlfriend, who later became my wife, on my cell phone. And I'm sitting there. It's 1 a.m. I'm out on the ground sitting next to the tar pits. And then an LAP helicopter. You're an asshole. No. If you called me at 1 a.m. She had just gotten home from closing Crate and Barrel over in West L.A. (laughs) So, um, but, you know, so we're talking because we would go for a few weeks without seeing each other because I didn't have a car. Um, And an LAPD helicopter hovers over me and shines a spotlight on me. And I'm sitting here on my phone with her. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. So I take my lanyard and I just like hang it up like <laughs> to show them the LAP that I'm here that I'm I'm supposed to be because the whole museum is like you know it's all fenced off like if if it didn't look like I was supposed to be there and I wasn't wearing a security uniform I was a trespasser so anyway they hovered there for a couple more minutes while I held that up and then they they went off. Um, and that's the end of that story. Criminal. <laughs> well, anyway. Because I don't have a zing? No, I don't. What did you think of La Brea, the show? I enjoyed it thoroughly. I, um, I thought I would enjoy it. I, I, there was no reservation for me going into it. Um... I just couldn't find the time to watch it, and I forced myself earlier to do so, and it was great. and And I was looking forward to the next episode. Um, number one, it ended on a cliffhanger, but number two, I was interested to see how these people were going to be dealing with it because you know they were coming together to form this community with the resources that they had. They were pooling all their food, all you know all the food from parts of the restaurants that fell through. And I mean, that was a thing, right? Like it was mentioned. No human was hurt falling through this thing, but all these cars that fell through were destroyed. Well, they had a few that were trashed. It it definitely, you would think that, you know, everything would have been smashed to bits, but maybe not. So, but but they were pulling someone from a car at the one of the first early scenes who was almost as smashed up as the car. So, yeah. I mean, is there like some kind of filter? <coughs> I'm so sorry that allowed or, for that or organic matter. Yeah, could be. I don't know. I will say this I don't recall there being an explanation for that. That no, being I'm just said, saying. That being said, yeah, well, I mean, remember, they just fell through a sinkhole through a portal into the past. And a guy in the future can see it. So, <laughs> you know, we've got to do a little suspension of disbelief if we're going to continue to be those sci-fi guys. Okay. <laughs> I I'm I'm not I'm not critical of anything about it. Um, and in fact, when I saw that Gavin recovered the ring by the 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 rock. I'm I'm sitting here going, well, all they have to do is drop a big capsule down through the space time rift, 
and give instructions on how to give instructions to them and put a, you know, bury things by the rock and and tell them where they buried it. Let's just say (laughs) there is some truth to what you're saying. Oh, well, there we go. That's a fun leap thing, by the way. Well, I mean, for a moment when he picked it up, he kind of looked at it like Gollum, like my yeah. precious, my precious. Yeah, it was on, it was on, it was a ring, <laughs> and a little necklace. <laughs> yes, one my, thing to rule them all. My reference though was in Quantum Leap when Sam and and Al switched, and Al was in the body, and Sam was the hologram, and Al puts a mail. Uh, puts something in the mail to instruct Ziggy to, you know, open up a portal for Sam to go through um, at this exact moment, at this exact time. And as soon as he put the, the letter in the mail, the portal opened right up. Like, that's my thought. I was like, oh, that's a quantum leap situation. As soon as they put oh, it boy. underground and preserve it, they can communicate to the future and they'll get the result. Well, I mean, I mean, what did you want Eve to look at the camera and go, oh, boy? Well, I'm just saying, I mean, is that a viable is that a viable situation? You're not giving it away if I guessed it. Well, there there is some logic to that. <laughs> but what do I know? I'm I'm just one of those sci fi guys. Yeah. Well, why would they name her Eve, by the way? That is, that is a name of such significance in, uh, in the Judeo-Christian sig- world. It, it, for all we know, it could be named after somebody's mom. Okay? We all know how these things work. Uh-oh. You might be reading too much into this. Uh, am I? <laughs> I have not found any other connections. Hmm. Okay. Well, I, all I'm saying is it feels like if they named her Eve and she's the most capable woman that we've seen so far, it seems like that she is like the Eve that we're supposed to be dealing with, so to speak. And are you being quiet now because you don't want to give it away to me or you don't want to give it away to the audience? Because we don't have any I'm damn being quiet now because I'm trying to ignore this asinine line of questioning that I tried to derail and continue on. You haven't derailed it well enough, apparently. Anyway, continue. Needless to say, <laughs> I recommend going forward, my friend. I mean, if you want to do a full review after you watch it, we can do that. Um, I enjoyed it. I look forward to season two because I want to know what happened because there was definitely a couple of real curveballs thrown through. So I'm sure there were. I mean, you know, aside from the patchy dialogue from the pilot, by the way, and pilots are imperfect just because they're pilots. It felt like a genuine, uh, genuinely good concept. Well, it's different. And also, I I feel like a love triangle is coming up. You do. I do. 
between Robert Patrick Jr. and Eve versus Gavin? Uh, no. Uh, no, I think you're going to be in for some surprises, though. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I was leaning towards a couple of different ways, uh, you know, with who they're setting what up with. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, uh, I'm not going to, to spoil those because there's some interesting twists with all of that. Okay. All right. I respect that. I appreciate that. So uh, I find uh, this to be a, I give it a solid B to B plus. When it's good, it's pretty good. Um, and of course, I'm giving it that kind of grade just because it's a first, you know, it's a first season. Ten episodes, first season. So, yes, have I said that there was some comparisons to things like Terra Nova and Lost? Sure. Okay. Definitely. But every every story has been told before. But this is different. You know, it's not the same old shit. No. Okay. It was uh, a, a neat concept. It's kind of nice to see when these things that stand out get renewed. And, you know, it's a sci-fi show on network television. Don't yeah, get a ton of that. Not in the slightest, no. Which is nice. I mean, I feel like NBC is more liberal towards those shows. I- am I wrong? Um, I mean, they've all tried them, and not all of them have worked. I mean, obviously, I feel- Fox has had a habit of throwing more things out there. They just don't have <sighs> a very good job of following through with it. But, I mean... NBC, I mean, they did the Bionic Woman. They did, um, they they did. Uh, what do you what do you call it? No, oh. um, Revolution, where the power went out and society went to you know more primeval state. They did the Cape. They did uh, Chuck. That Chuck was a sci-fi situation, right? Yeah, starring Kurt Warner. And I'm and I'm only bringing up things from the mid two thousands. So obviously they carried that tradition to here. Revolution came they out. They also do the reboot of Knight Rider. Yeah, that was an 09. That was. That was I think that I was think special. it was, that was an original. <laughs> that original NBC show back in the day too, though. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. So, and, you know, like Bionic Woman was also a remake. I mean, you see them attempt to make these remakes of old TV shows, and sometimes you'll get a one-season wonder like the Bionic Woman or, or or Knight Rider, and other times you'll get Hawaii Five-O, right? A reboot that went like 10 seasons. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, look at Battlestar. Yeah, but uh, Battlestar was awesome. That's different. So <laughs> the original. Oh. 
Yeah, that was an NBC. No, wait. Well, was I'm it not... an NBC property that aired on CBS? I, I don't know. I wasn't using it as an NBC sort of thing. I was just talking about the whole reboot thing. Yeah, well, I know NBC owns Battlestar, so. Well, yeah, because don't they own sci-fi? Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. So my advantage during my move was that now that I have Hulu, I could watch it. <laughs> so I was able to watch the end last episode of, <laughs> of uh, Brea. Brea. And you know, um, it was in the Eastern time zone. It was on 9 o'clock on Tuesdays. So I usually would watch it and then roll right into potty, podcasting with you. <laughs> How quaint. <laughs> right. Well, well, I apologize for not being such an accommodating co-host tonight. That's so. all good. I think we're both a little, <laughs> little off our game tonight. But you know what? Ugh. We powered through it. And we had a decent discussion about an, an interesting new show. One that I hope season two builds on. One re- does a pretty good job of at least resolving part of the, the cliffhanger and then finds a way to build. Is this a no, show that I crossed. think could, could go on for 10 seasons? No. You might see this one end up being a limited series. Maybe it only has three, uh, maybe four. Yeah, by design. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely a good series. It's an interesting one. Uh, they've got some decent characters. And there's a lot of mysteries that are going on. Yeah. I recommend it. I think it's worth the time. It's on Hulu. Probably on Peacock. So I would expect it to be easy to watch. Um, It was on NBC. Yeah, it was on NBC, the NBC app. I don't think it's on Peacock. Well, it's been renewed for another season. Yep. So there's more to look forward to. So now's the time to get into it and to um, binge like I will. Because honestly, I'm really looking forward to the next episode. I already started it. But (laughs) I'm, I'm sorry not to bring it back to Star Trek Discovery, but. After the first episode, I haven't gone back. Like I'm just, I'm just not of interested. Season four of season four, I'm just not interested, man. Like, but, but literally, I'm sitting in the middle of giving my daughter a spelling test and helping helping her with her grammar homework and talking to my wife about uh, Christmas stuff. I have in my ear La Brea going on. Because I'm interested in what's going on there, too, at the same time. And I'm pausing that. I'm giving her words as she's doing it. I'm unpausing it. I'm watching it, like the second episode. So all, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, and I get you. So I'm glad that you're interested. I look forward to hearing your thoughts when you finish. Uh, I haven't. I didn't watch this week's Discovery yet, either. Um, I will be watching it probably tomorrow night. Um, just because already three episodes in, 
I do have some <laughs> questions. Uh, last week, they finally showed us the inside of another Federation starship. Oh, perish the thought. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it looked a little Orville-ish, but... Uh, I hear that CBS, I know we're we're cutting out in about a minute or two. I hear the CBS is kind of hurting on their cash. And so they're reusing a lot of their stock CGI and kind of trying to redress it a little bit. And they might be using some stock CGI from um, like, uh, uh, was it Gal, Gal, oh God. What, What are the free, what are the free website places? Uh, shit, Picard used a bunch of like free photo stock stuff uh, that came from um, a website like that. God damn it. Well, is that why they copy and pasted the same ship like 50, 50 times? No, that well, that was to save money. Absolutely. Yeah, because because most of the budget went to Patrick Stewart. But that's that's that issue. So if, if you. They wanted to save money. They could have dug out some of them old models. Uh, they could no. They sold them all at the Christie's auction back in two thousand five. That's the problem. <laughs> Paramount didn't have they a vision. Could, then, then what they should do is do what John Favreau and Dave Filoni did at the Mandalorian. And they called up the 501st Legion because they needed more stormtroopers. I know, right? And, and the, <laughs> the, the fans showed up with their supremely accurate armor, and they got to be extras in the show. You can't you know, tell like me Disney... there's not dozens or hundreds of Star Trek nerds who would jump at showing up in their homemade uniforms with their, you know, expertly leveled graphics and kits that they've put together over the years. No. And and to jump on that, Disneyland actually hires people the five of first legion. Good. <laughs> As they, they don't should. have to make their own costumes. <laughs> no, they well. don't. They might as well. Anyway, so on that point, uh DT, anything you want to add before we sign off? Well, to all of uh my friends out there, our our fans, hopefully, tell your friends that you find us to be mildly amusing background noise. And, uh, you know, give a listen. <laughs> it's a fun show. It's going to be a fun time. And there we go. Anyway, so <laughs> on that note, oh, everyone, pause. on that note, everyone, that's the ultimate ending. Until then, everyone, you guys keep wor- uh, dreaming. We're going to keep working. Until then, so long, folks. Apparently, you've been smoking. So. It's been drinking. I've been drinking and not smoking. Uh, ditto. Ditto. <laughs> and my good man, I will talk to you soon. To all you others, we'll see you on the high ground. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin McLeod 
at incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosesci-fi-guys.com for past episode information.